You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Revelation 22. I'm going to try tonight, I'm going to try to finish up the book of Revelation. We have been in it for a long time. Uh, I hope it's been a help. I hope it's been encouraging to you. Uh, There are some spots that can be a little scary, uh, but that's why you got to hang on till you get to the end, because I'm glad that we know that Jesus Christ comes out on top. It was never a question. Uh, uh, Heaven was not getting nervous at any time. Jesus was not, you know, worried or anything like that, but he is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords, and hallelujah uh, for the Bible and the truth that we have found in Scripture. Revelation 22, we, uh, last week we were in 21, and we got into chapter 22, and we saw the city, uh, the new Jerusalem. We're not talking about uh, uh, heaven, uh, but we're talking about uh, the city that is coming down from heaven. Uh, The new Jerusalem, the the dimensions were uh, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. Uh, We saw the gates of the city, uh, the streets of the city. Now, this is not a trick question, but if the city is 1,500 miles, how long do you think those golden streets have to be? I'd say 1,500 miles. And, uh, And you say, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's nothing. Uh, the, the gold is, is clear gold. It is so pure that it is transparent. Uh, we saw last week the foundation of the city. Um, we saw all of the, uh, the, the, the dimensions of the city. And then we saw in uh, Revelation 21 and 22, we saw the focus of the city. Uh, the glory of God, the Lamb, is the light. Tonight I want to jump in as we're talking about um, uh, Revelation 21 and 22, not only the city, but number two, I want to show you the focus is on Christ. And that's not just true of Revelation 21 and 22, but I want to remind you the focus of this whole book, it's all about Jesus. Uh, the focus of our lives ought to be all about Jesus. You say, well, pastor, my focus is my job. Well, I think it's good when you're at work. I think you should be focused on your work. I think it'd be good to be focused on whatever you're doing. But while you're focused on that, the greater focus ought to be everything I do, whether I eat or drink or whatsoever I do, I want to do all to the glory of God. I want to do everything so that Jesus Christ is magnified in my life. That's what the Apostle Paul said. But we see the focus, number two, the focus is Christ. Notice Revelation 22 and verse number 16 and verse number 21. It says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the what? The root and the what? Offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight as we look at the end of the Bible, the last book, the the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I pray that our focus would be on Jesus. 
Forgive us for getting our focus on the things of this world. Forgive us for getting distracted. Forgive us at times for, uh, for not being uh, focused on that which truly matters. Lord, I pray that our focus and our attention tonight would be upon Jesus Christ and Him alone. We pray in His name and for His sake. Amen. I've told the story before. I've given the illustration before. But when you, when you play basketball, how many, how many basketball fans do we have in here? Let me see, basketball fans. I can, I can talk about basketball now because it's just getting started. And the, the Duke and Carolina rivalry has not heated up yet. Uh, we won't talk much about it in February and March, but for now we can mention it. So you've got a, uh, a, one of the, the players on Duke who is shooting a free throw and they're, they're playing at Carolina, okay? So all of the fans behind the glass backboard are doing nothing but going crazy. That's all they're doing. They are waving their arms. They are waving their hands. They are screaming. They are throwing people and throwing things into the air. They're doing everything they can to distract right? Because that shooter who is shooting a free throw, if his focus is on that goal, he's going to have a lot better chances of making it. But if he's focused on everything else all around, the chances are he's going to miss. And I want to tell you, Satan is the master of distraction. And this week, I'm just telling you, you got to get your focus back on Jesus. And that's every day. That's many times throughout the day. Our focus must be on Jesus because the things of this earth, they distract us. They keep us from what really matters. How many times have you gotten to the end of your day and you say, I didn't get anything done. I needed to get done today. Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes that's the way it goes. But may we never come to the end of a day and say, I failed to please the Lord today. May we never go through an entire day and say, I failed to focus on Christ today. He ought to be our focus every single day. Number one, we see the city. Number two, we see Christ. It says in verse number 16, Jesus is speaking to John. He is, 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 he, John has seen this revelation all laid out before him. And now Jesus is speaking directly to the apostle John. Now keep in mind, the apostle John, he knew Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He was there when the miracles were performed. He was there on the boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee. He was there at the cross. But now, this is not Jesus hanging on a cross. This is not Jesus uh, who is tired. This is not Jesus who is hungry. This is Jesus who is the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus says to John, John, I want to remind you of something. I am. Now, that may not sound like a lot to us, but let me remind you, that's exactly what God said to Moses. He said, you can tell Pharaoh that I am has sent you. And all throughout the Bible, you see that name, Jehovah. He is the self-existent one. He is the self-sufficient one. He is God. It doesn't say, I love this. It doesn't say that he was. It doesn't say that he's going to be, but it says that he is. I am, meaning present tense. Jesus is everything that you and I will ever need. Verse 16, Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of David. Now think about that. To be the root of David, that means that he had to come before David. 
But to be the offspring of David means he had to come after David. Can I tell you, that is Jesus Christ, who is the eternal God, but Jesus Christ, who also came in the form of man. He came from the line of David, and Jesus makes it very clear one last time to say, I am God. And aren't you glad for the deity of Christ? Aren't you glad that he is God? Because if he's not God, then he couldn't die on the cross and save you from your sin. If he was just another man, then, then our salvation is in jeopardy. But I'm glad that he is God. I'm glad that our salvation is secure in Christ. He said, I am the offspring. I am the root of David. But then he says this, I am the bright and morning star. That morning star that, uh, that, that, that scientists tell us about, it is Venus that, that, that goes across the sky before the sun comes up. It's the last star you see. It's a bright star. But that star indicates that the morning is coming. That star indicates that the day is coming. By the way, when that bright and morning star appears, there will be no more night. Remember what we saw last week in heaven? There, there, there is no sun or moon or stars because the Lamb is the light. And Jesus Christ is the bright and morning star. You know what that morning star is? It's hope. Aren't you glad that your hope is not in a stock market? Aren't you glad that your stock is not in a sports team or your, your hope is not in a, a your stock, you know, maybe your stock is in a sports team, but aren't you glad your hope is not in a sports team? Aren't you glad that your hope is not based on some friend or, or, or some hobby? But our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And when you see that morning star, you know that the day is coming. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And it doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how long the night may seem. I'm glad that there's a better day coming because of Jesus Christ. He is the bright and morning star. We see not only the city, but number two, we see Christ. Quickly, number three, I want you to see in Revelation 22, we see the coming. It says in Revelation 22 and verse 7, Behold, I come, what's that next word? Quickly. Now that word quickly, it's got two meanings here. One is it means it's coming soon. And by the way, I believe Jesus is coming soon. He said right here, just to remind you folks, I'm coming soon quickly. I'm coming soon. It's getting close. And don't let the world lull you to sleep. And don't let Satan deceive you into thinking that you've got a lot of time. Don't let, don't let the devil think you that we don't need to work, uh, let you think that you don't need to worry about missionaries. Don't let Satan think you, you don't need to worry about souls because we've got a lot of time. Oh, no, no. I don't think we have a lot of time. I think Jesus is coming soon. I think he could come tonight. But he says, behold, I come quickly, meaning soon or coming shortly. But it also means suddenly. It means like, like it could be like before you know it. And I'm afraid for many Christians, Jesus coming will come as a shock. I think for many Christians, we will not be ready. I think for many Christians, we'll be so worried about all the affairs of this life and all the, the, the to-do lists that we have and all the projects we're working on. And I'm not against those things. But we ought to be living every day as if Jesus Christ could come back today because he's coming quickly. Verse number seven. 
verse number 12. And again, Jesus says, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Boy, that ought to be motivation. Jesus reminds us that he's coming, and he's coming with rewards. I believe he's coming with crowns. I believe he's coming uh, to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But then we see again in verse number 20, we see his coming. He which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. And I like the response to that. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We see his coming. We know he's coming soon. But I hope as Christians, I hope we're anticipating that. I hope we're longing for his coming. The Bible says of those that love his appearing, meaning we are looking every day out the window as if this could be the day that Jesus comes back. Friend, I want to tell you, he is coming. All oh, people have laughed and people have scoffed and people have, have made fun of the fact, well, where is the promise of his coming? But I want to tell you, as sure as I'm standing here this evening, Jesus Christ is coming back. That trumpet's going to sound. That angel's going to shout. There's going to be the coming of Jesus Christ. It could be today. His coming, number one, it's for sure. It is definite. Surely, verse number 20, I come quickly. There's no doubt about it. But then I see not only is his coming for sure, but I see that we are called to be faithful unto his coming. We are called to be faithful. We are called to serve him. As it says in verse number 12, he's coming to give to every man according to his work. You know who's going to get a crown when Jesus comes? People that are faithful. People that have served him. People that have lived for him. People that have done what he's called us to do. I see not only the, the, the city, number one. Number two, I see Christ is the focus. Number three, I see his coming. But then I want you to see number four. I want you to see his commands. This is so interesting to me. In Revelation 22, the last book, the last chapter of the Bible, notice what it says in verse number six. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And let me remind you, what you read in the newspaper may not be faithful and true. <laughs> what you hear on the news may not be faithful and true. Uh, what you read in a book may not be faithful and true. But every word you read in this book right here, it is faithful and it is true. And don't ever forget it. And don't ever equate the Bible with the writings of man. This is not a book written by man. This is a book that has been written by God. It is the very word of God. It is living. It is powerful. It can change you. It can change the hardest heart. It can change the soul that seems the, the farthest gone. God's word is powerful. We see that it is faithful and it is true. But then I want you to notice in verse number six that uh, the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Verse seven, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, hang on. Say, Pastor, I want a life that is blessed. I want a life that is happy. And by the way, so do I. I want to live a happy life. I want to live a, a blessed life. I want to experience the, the good things of God. 
Can I tell you, one reason why some people don't experience the blessings of God is because they're not doing what he said. Notice what it says in verse 7. Blessed is he that what? That keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. All throughout the Bible, there is a blessing to those who obey. The Bible tells us there's a curse for those that disobey. Now, friend, I'm just telling you, you want to live a happy life? Do it God's way. You want to live a happy and content and satisfied and, 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 a, and a prosperous life? Then do what God has said. You will find such peace when you just do it God's way. I gave you, you this example. My children, and I try to be fair. I try to be consistent. Um, I, I try to be a good father. I'm sure there's times I fail, but I try. But I'll just tell you, it's so simple. In, in my home, for my children... Life is so much better for them when they do what I tell them to do. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I told you to clean your room, and I take all their stuff, and I throw it out the window, and I yell and scream, and can't do that anymore. I got Daughtry's in front of me, and I got the Schnurr's behind me, you know, so it's like I can't do all that. But, uh, but, but, but I'm not saying that I do that. I'm just saying this. Life is better when you do what Dad says. Life is better when you do what the boss says. And life is so much better when we do what God says. We're shocked. Oh, I can't believe I'm not happy. Oh, I can't believe this. And we don't even do what God said. Blessing comes from those that keep the prophecy, the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Notice verse number 10. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. God tells John, he says, okay, I've given you the book. Don't seal this one up. Don't tuck this one away. Don't hide this one. This one is for everybody. And if you and I can take this book and we can still live wickedly, and if we can take this book and we can still do our own thing, nothing's going to change you. Now you think about that. If someone can come to church and someone can hear the gospel plain and simple and somebody can walk out and say, I don't want that. There's nothing I can say to convince you. There's nothing you can say to convince that person. If the Bible doesn't convince somebody, nothing else will. And God told John, he said, this book is available for everybody. It's not sealed up. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. It's not confidential. It is available for everybody. And This book has the answers to life. This book has the solution to any problem you'll face. I see in verse number 14, blessed are they, here it is again, that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. We see again, blessed are they that do his commandments. Verse number 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Oh. Do you think God makes a big deal about his word? 
Do you think this is important? You better believe it. You say, well, I thought once a person was saved, they're always saved. They are. But here's what God says. He says, you don't mess with my word. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. This book right here is the word of God, and he doesn't need our help to make it better. We see the importance of the commands. It is vitally important that we read the Bible, that we obey the Bible, that we do what God has said. And as we come to a close in Revelation, not just that, we come to a close in the Bible. God says there's a blessing for those that will do what I've told them to do. Lastly, I see in this passage, I see the call. Not only the city and the focus is Christ, the, the coming, number three of Christ, and the commands, but number five, I see the call. It says in verse number 17, and the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride. Who's, who's the bride of Christ? That's us. That's those of us who are saved. So, so we're on the same team with the Holy Spirit. We've got the same message that the Holy Spirit is presenting to a, a lost and dying world, and that is the message to come. It's a call. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? For those that are unsaved, the Holy Spirit is speaking. The Holy Spirit is pricking. The Holy Spirit is working. And you know what we should be doing as Christians? We ought to be sharing the gospel. We ought to be praying. We ought to be witnessing. We ought to be a testimony. We ought to be a light. Everything we do ought to be, hey, you need to come to Christ. Hey, you need to see how good it is. You need to experience salvation. You need to know what Jesus can do for you. There is a call. I see in verse number 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. Let him take the water of life freely. I see, first of all, that the call is a free call. Aren't you glad that salvation is available for anybody? Aren't you glad you don't have to have a certain amount of money to get saved? Aren't you glad you don't have to have a, a certain amount of money in the bank account, you know, as, uh, as your deposit to, to get salvation or to get a mansion? Oh, no, it's free. You say, how is it free? Because it's already been paid for. Jesus paid it all. And the call is a free call. We don't deserve it. But it is God who is so good to give us so many blessings. It is God who gives us, verse 21, his grace, which is unmerited favor. I see the call. First of all, it's free. But secondly, I see the call is forever. There's a finality in this call. You see, this call will not be extended Forever. For those who accept it, they'll have eternal life forever. But those who reject it will spend eternity in a lake of fire. There's a finality. This call will not be available forever to decide now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. But I see that this call is for you and me. It says in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. I believe this is speaking of inviting people to come to Christ. That is what Jesus said in the Gospels, come unto me. But I think also we could say that this is not just a call for people to come to Christ. 
this is a call for Christ to come to us. We're saying, Lord, we're ready for you to come. Lord, we need you to come. Uh, we need you to come and we need your help. By the way, you don't have to wait for the rapture for Jesus to come and help you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that he is, he is uh, ready? He's a very present help in time of trouble. And there ought to be a call for you and me, but a call from you and me for the lost to come. I wonder who this week have you invited to come. I wonder who this week has received the invitation from you to come. Two Sundays ago, we had Friend Day. It was a great day. It was a wonderful day to see people get saved. But you know, we don't just invite people to church once a year. We invite people to church every service. We don't just invite people to get saved uh, once a month or, or once every six months or, or once a year or, or for a special event. We invite people to be saved all the time. That's why we have soul winning. That's why we have outreach. That's why we have uh, ministries. That's why we have a master club. That's why we have a bus ministry. That's why we have a missions program. Because people need to hear the call. They need to hear it from you and from me. I wonder this evening if we would be faithful to extend that call. It says the spirit and the bride say come. Let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Aren't you glad somebody shared the water of life with you? Aren't you glad somebody told you how to be saved? I'm thankful, uh, 1973, I guess it was, that I'm glad somebody had shared the gospel with Brother Benjamin's grandfather so he could go to Argentina and share the gospel with those people. Thankful that Brother Benjamin's dad, I'm glad that he answered the call not to be saved, but he answered the call to serve God as a missionary. Now we have a young couple here in just a few weeks going to Argentina. Why are they going to Argentina? Because those people in Argentina need to hear the call. It's not fair that people in Roanoke Rapids hear the call and people in Argentina don't hear the call. Everybody needs the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible says whosoever means anybody that means everybody thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of victory baptist church in roanoke rapids north carolina led by pastor jeremy Coburnett. for more information about our ministry please visit our website at vbcrr.org may god bless you as you serve him this week